Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right. Get your Bibles out. Turn into the really sticky pages in between the Old and New Testament to the book of Haggai. It's the second smallest book of the Old Testament. And a couple weeks ago, we did, uh, we talked a whole sermon about the smallest book in the Old Testament. Does anybody pop quiz? Anybody want to yell out an answer of what the smallest book, just the Old Testament is? Starts with an O, ends with a Daya. <laughs> the smallest book of just the Old Testament is Obadiah. And it is about the Babylonians coming in, destroying Jerusalem, destroying the temple. And then this book, the book that we're going to be in today, Haggai, picks the story up when the people come back and they're building their houses, they're rebuilding the city, and they haven't yet started rebuilding the temple. And so Haggai, this whole book is about encouraging and challenging the people to get their priorities right. Rebuild the temple. There's a motto here, I'm kind of half joking, uh, that we could take out of the book of Haggai. It's the same motto that you hear in a 1989 Kevin Costner movie about baseball called The Field of Dreams. Do you know this little phrase? The main character hears the voice saying, if you build it, he will come. And Haggai could kind of, I'm half joking here, be the same theme because if you build it, if you build the temple, he, the Lord Almighty, will come. So this is the book of Haggai. Turn to Haggai chapter one, verse one. We're going to read the first five verses. Then we're going to get to the second chapter and read the first five verses of the second chapter. And these 10 verses will really encapsulate the whole book for us. So would you stand with me if you're watching online? Would you stand as well? Haggai chapter one, verse one, it gets into like who the book is to. It's going to mention some names. In the second year of King Darius, that's the king of Persia, On the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. That's the name of the book. That's this prophet. And also it's to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. So the Lord says, these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. So the people are speaking on the Lord's behalf and the people have it wrong because it is time for the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. Let's move on. Verse three, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. And it's another question. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses? So this in the ancient world was a luxurious house, a house that's well-built, it's already made. You're living in luxury while this house, he's talking about the temple, remains in ruin. And then verse five. Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. What are your priorities here is what Haggai is saying to these people. Then skipping ahead to chapter 2, verse 1. Again, he kind of introduces the word of the Lord on the 21st day of the sixth month. The word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judea, and to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people. Ask them, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? It's kind of like, raise your hand. How many of you remember the way the temple was? And depending on the timeline here, some of the people standing there could have remembered the temple when they were kids. And here they are, uh, old adults now coming back. And he asked this question, how does it look now? 
Well, it doesn't look very good. It's in ruin. Does it not seem to you like nothing? It's like, it does. It's, it's, it's in ruin. And then it's kind of like as you're reading the book of Haggai, you think the Lord is just about to rebuke them and punish them and ground them. And instead, the Lord encourages them. Verse four, now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people in the land, declares the Lord, and work, for I am with you, declares the Lord. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This is the word of the Lord. People of God said, thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, we worship you. We, we come before you humbly and Lord, you encourage us that you're with us and you tell us to not fear. So here we are, Lord. Your servants are listening. We worship you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people in the room shouted. Amen. Amen. And online shouted. Amen. Amen. All right. You may be seated. A three-point sermon for you this morning. I, I usually do three points. And they have to do with a challenge an encouragement, and then a question for you. Like, what do you think the Lord is saying to you? So first the challenge, then the encouragement, and then the question of how, how, how are you doing with the Lord? So first the challenge. Point number one, I worded it. Haggai challenges our status quo with God. Verse two of chapter one said, this is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house. And so if you're watching online, kids, a couple kids in the room, if you want to draw a picture, draw a picture of rubble. Just draw like, like the temple is on the ground and all there is is rocks piled up. And the people are saying on God's account, the people are saying it's not time yet to rebuild the temple. The people are speaking for God and they are speaking what is wrong because it is time to rebuild. The Lord wants them to get their priorities right. They're living in houses of luxury. They're no longer in like survival mode. Let's set up shop. They are now like living in paneled houses, which the the ancient uh, commentaries that I'm looking at said that in this ancient world, these paneled houses, the wood must have been imported from Lebanon people are living in luxury and there is the temple just in rubble right now and so Haggai is challenging them and it, it doesn't come across as shame and so if you hear me in this sermon challenging you that's that's what this is this is not shaming you this is just asking us about our priorities what are our priorities in serving the Lord. Let me give you an example. Let me give you a story from my younger adult days. So years ago when I was in my 20s, I think about like how much time I had back then. And some of you will giggle like, oh man, yeah, in our 20s, we have so much time. But when I was in my 20s, I was like, oh man, I'm so busy with school and I got a part-time job and I was just so busy and I don't have any time. But then like looking back thinking, I was like, man, I, I, I surfed the web. This is like 20 years ago. You surfed the web with like dial-up. And I would surf the web. Like I had all this time to, to wait for dial-up. I, I watched movies. I vegetated. I, I was a couch potato. I had all this time. And I think about my life now, like overseeing a church. I have four little boys. And I think, man, I had all kinds of time back then in my 20s. And some really good people came to me and they saw a gift in me to, to teach. They saw a gift in me of leadership. And some people of the church, really good people came to me and said, Joe, would you like to lead a small group? We think you can do it. Uh, we think you could lead a group for these young adults. Uh, what do you think? And I said, nah, I'm too busy. 
And thinking back, I was even like, I even threw out the God card. I said, well, let me pray about it. And I was like, I I wasn't praying about surfing the web. I wasn't praying about uh, being a couch potato. But I made up this excuse that I was too busy. And like looking back, I was like, man, I wish I would have had my priorities right looking back at my own life. I think about when you share a meal with someone. You you guys like to go out to eat. My wife and I used to go out to eat before we had little kids. And, And now we go out to eat. It's just a little more challenging. And when, like, we, we, when we were married and before kids, we'd go out to eat like, probably like twice a week, right? Three times a week. I mean, that's what we did. And we'd go out. We'd always split a meal to save money. And what if I split a meal like this? What if like, the meal came on a plate and here's the separate plate? And I just started eating the burger. I ate the whole burger. I'm eating the fries. And then I was like, do you want these stalks of broccoli, Erica? Like, how would that, that, that would not be the way you're supposed to split a meal, Right? Guys, right? Like this, this would be bad news. You're supposed to split the meal, like make your priorities. And so what Haggai is thinking, uh, what Haggai is saying to these people is consider our ways. What are our priorities? Think about your life. This is a challenge to you. I'm not shaming anybody. As a pastor, I care for you. I love you. But this does come across as a challenge. Like think through, like where are you at? Where are you spending your time? Where are you spending your efforts? Let me give you a challenge in in kind of a three-part very quickly here. If some of you either watching online or in here are like, what are you talking about? Give me a challenge. I want a challenge. Some of you, especially I'm thinking about you in this room, drove here on a snowy day. Like you're probably ready. Like, come on. And you woke up an hour early. So I'm thinking through all of you. You're like, I want a challenge. Like, bring it on. So here's the challenge. And some of you uh, are, are different levels in these different things. But let me give you these challenges. It comes in the form of three things. Worship, connect, serve. Worship. Is there a time you spend every day worshiping the Lord? Do you have a quiet time? Do you have a devotion? time. This would be a great place to start. Some of you are like, well, sometimes I do. Well, make that a priority in your life, in your days, uh, a time of devotion before the Lord. Second one is connect. Find a place to connect with people. Church is great. Uh, we're, we're a small crowd today. I think we're all, all kind of connecting with one another. But I would say in the weeks, in the months to come, find a group, the men's group, the women's group. New Life North has all these groups, Celebrate Recovery. There's lots of different groups. Find a small group to connect. Third is to serve. Find a way to serve. Use your time, your energy, your resources to serve. If you, if you haven't started ever uh, tithing, giving of your tithes and offering, a tithe means 10% of what you bring in that's a great starting place. I'm going to give that to the Lord. I'm going to give that to the church. Then tithe. So uh, have, a, have a quiet time, find a small group, and tithe. Like this, this is like beginner level Christian stuff. And some of us are just like, yeah, like bring it on. We want the challenge. We do want to reprioritize our lives and do those three things. Some of you have been doing those three things for decades. And if that's the case, then I would say, well, now's the time to lead a group. I was just talking to Bob. Where's Bob this morning? Like he was just like, we need to get together and and we should just like, like go for it, like, like have a meal together. And I was like, yes, let's do that. Like that's exactly what we should be doing. If you are already doing these three things, then here's the challenge for you. You need to start leading in the church, like gathering people together, advancing the kingdom of God. Amen. You, is there you okay with that challenge? Amen. 
Amen. Okay. Here, uh, let, let me say this. Some of you, uh, I, think, I think about the idea of a challenge can, can sometimes come with it shame. Like if, if someone is like going for it and you see them, then to you, what sometimes that comes across is shame. And I'm not trying to shame you. I'm trying to challenge you. I think of the movie. It was a really low budget film, um, but it did really well in the Christian circles of movies. It, it came out in 2006. It's called Facing the Giants. Anybody seen this movie? It's a really good movie. It's, it's a really low budget. Like, go look up, like, how much they made it for and how much money it made. It was, like, a huge win, especially for the Christian movie world. And there's this scene in it. And everybody that's seen the movie knows exactly what scene I'm going to talk about. It's the scene. You could, you could YouTube it if you're watching it online. YouTube it later, not right now. Uh, but, but type in, like, uh, Facing the Giants uh, crawl scene. And so it's this football movie. So there's this coach and he's talking to his high school football team. And one of the big guys with a lot of influence says, there's no way we're going to win the next game. The other team is too strong. And the coach says, you get up here. And so they stands up and they have this exercise where one football player carries another football player while crawling in the football field. And you see how far you can get. And I think in practice, they got to like the 30 or the 20 yard line earlier in practice. And so the coach says, you are much stronger than you think. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to challenge you. And so he puts a blindfold on this football player. Another football player gets on his back and he just starts crawling. And from the, from the end zone, he crawls past the 10. He's blindfolded. So he can't see and just give up when he gets to a certain point. And the coach is just yelling at him encouragement the whole time. Come on, you got this. You're going to get this. Come on, one more step. Come on, one more step. And he's like, I can't coach. Come on, one more step. And he keeps doing one more step until he gets to the other end zone. He does a hundred. It's just a, I mean, you can't watch this scene and not just be like, yes, yes, Lord, I'm strong because you've made me strong. It's such a good scene. Go YouTube it later today. It's well worth seeing. And that's what I think Haggai is doing in this book for the people in Jerusalem. It's like, you see that temple? It's in ruins. We got to rebuild it. Come on, one more step, guys. Come on, New Life Manitou. One more step. I know you got up an extra hour early today. I know it's snowing outside. Come on, one more step. We got this. Let's Let's advance the kingdom. Amen? Amen. All right. Point number two is this. Uh, let me encourage you now. Haggai encourages us to set God as our first priority. Haggai encourages us to set God as our first priority. Here's where we pick up in verse uh, three of chapter two. He asks people, uh, who is left among you who has saw this house in its former glory? Like, in other words, raise your hand if you remember this temple as it once was. And, and as I said before, there was probably some old adults there that were kids seeing this temple and remembering it. And he asked the question, how does it look now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? And then, like I said, if you're reading through the book of Haggai, you think, uh, and maybe it's just the way I read it. I was like, man, the Lord is mad. The Lord is gonna like punish these people. He's gonna ground them. He's gonna give them a whooping. He's gonna give them a talking to. He's gonna give them a lashing. But instead, he he knows what the people need and they don't need shame. They don't need a lashing. They don't need grounding or a punishment. You know what he says? He says, be strong. The Lord encourages these people to start rebuilding. Verse four says this, be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people in the land, declares the Lord, and work. For I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt. Like, remember the days of old. God is with you. Be strong, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. 
the Lord encourages us. He wants us to know that he's with us. He wants us to know to do not fear. He wants us to be encouraged and to wake up to setting him first and foremost in our life. That's point number two, a quick one, be encouraged. And then number three is this, a simple question. Where are you at with God? If God was to come and and tap you on the shoulder right now, what would you say if God asked you, um, how is it going? How are you doing right now? I think this is a question we should probably, as a church, get better at asking and then listening for an answer. Like, how are you? Like, what's going on? What's the story behind that? Someone's doing this. Well, I wonder why. I wonder what's the story behind that. What would you say to God if God asked you, how are you doing right now? Some of you might say, I'm not doing that well. I mean, this is, but we would all say that this last year has been a hard year. There's been some challenges, this and that. A lot of people would say, we're not doing that good. Anxiety, depression, uh, needs for counselors. These things are all on the rise in our society. Many of us, many of you watching online might say like, it's been hard. If, If someone was to tap you on the shoulder and say, how's it going? Many of you would say, it's not going that well. Haggai has a message for us. He has a message of challenge and he has a message of encouragement. And I think we as a church have this special place where we can ask each other how we're doing. We can pray for each other. We have the answer. His name is Jesus. Amen. Let me, let me tell you a story. This is a, kind of a sermon illustration story, but a guy lived in a neighborhood. They had a homeowner's association. And some of you uh, know like the ramifications of being in a homeowner's situation. It's like little people with a whole bunch of power and they're going around judging everybody. So some homeowner's associations are great. But in this story, there was a guy, a widower, an old man, and he lived in a little neighborhood and the homeowner's association did not like that he kept his lawn unmowed like mow your lawn and so they kept getting mad about this guy who didn't really mow his lawn that often and so one spring comes and he just hasn't mowed at all and so they're like what are we going to do let's send him the letter of the fine schedule of like if you don't mow your lawn we're going to fee you as this little homeowners association they're gossiping about him and they're like rah, 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 rah. and they're just mad because he hasn't mowed his lawn and so they send him the letter and say if you don't mow your lawn we're going to fine you $100 per day for every day starting now that you haven't mowed your lawn. They send him the letter, nothing happens. They're just like, rah, 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 rah. they're so mad. Like, why isn't he mowed his lawn? He must be lazy. He's like, rah, rah, rah. And so they, they send him another letter, say, the fine start today, $100. The next day, $200. Gets up to $1,000. Gets up to $1,400. Two weeks have passed. And they're just, rah, they're out in the front of the lawn looking at it. They're like, oh, look at the dandelions. Rah, 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 rah. And they're just like mad. And they, they look over and they see the mailbox won't shut all the way. And they go over and they open it up and mail falls out. And they're like, oh. And for the first time, they ask the question, what's going on here? Like they didn't ask that for, for days and days, for weeks. None of them thought to ask the question, what's going on here? And they all kind of look at each other like, oh, what's going on here? And they go knock on the door no answer. Now they really begin, they're like, oh gosh, they start to worry. They, for the first time, ask themselves, what's going on here? They call the police. The police come over, they do a well visit, they open the door, they check, they go in. And unfortunately, the guy had been sick. And the guy that morning had passed away. 
And the question was never asked, like, what's going on here? Like, that should have been the first question. As a church, like, this should be the first question when someone's going through a hard time, when someone's not mowing their lot. Like, the first question we should be asking ourselves about them, about ourselves, is what's really going on here? I think this last year has been hard in different ways for all kinds of people in all different situations. And I think it's brought out a lot of like the worst in people. And I think as a church, we have a special place for being able to ask the question, what's going on here? And then listening and then praying and coming to the situation with Jesus, the answer. Coming to the situation with a challenge, like let's, let's go. There's work to be done here. Let's encourage. Let's ask each other what's going on. Let's find solutions and let's move forward as a church. So church, be encouraged this morning that this whole book ends. Haggai ends with these words. It says, I have chosen you declares the Lord. There is hope here in this book of Haggai. There is encouragement. There's a challenge to us as the people of God to look in on the story and say, yes, let's build the kingdom. Let's build the house of God. 